0: We're looking at two short verses in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, uh, under the theme of stop playing God, and these two verses are in the context of judgment, when we start to put ourselves as an authority uh, above and beyond people, and therefore in the things that we say about people, take God's place as judge. So we're thinking tonight about three aspects. Why why do we judge other people? Why is it a bad idea? And how do we break the habit? So, first up, why do we judge other people? I I think sometimes as as we judge others, we deflect attention from ourselves. That we are often focused towards our judgments on other people's lives, the way that they live, the things that they say, the things that they do, as a way of deflecting attention away from ourselves. Romans 2, Paul said this, so when you, a mere man or woman, pass judgment on people, and yet you do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? I'm always slightly wary of people who shout loudest about a particular topic or point the finger at particular people Uh, because often what happens in that is it's a way of deflecting attention away from ourselves that actually maybe we struggle in that area as well but in pointing at other people we maybe hope that something of um, God's uh, word for us may somehow uh, escape from us. So we often uh, will say things at other people by way of deflecting attention away from ourselves. And in doing that, sometimes it excuses uh, our blame as well. We love to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Have you noticed that about life? Look at them the way that they're doing that. And then we use an excuse for ourselves. You know, I, I do that because... And we, we receive a whole load of excuses for why we live or act in the way that we do. It's been one of the great things, I think, about this last week. One of the, well, A couple of aspects of the ministry that Lynn Button and her team brought that have really blessed me. I think one, one is that they have given away responsibility to those that they've been praying alongside to pray themselves. A bit like Dawn was saying about you know you're talking about you know them saying you you pray you know what do you see God doing what's he giving you and how are you going to be proactive about putting it into practice in your response in this moment I thought that was that was fantastic and then also I think that sense of nothing is out of God's remit to want to transform and change um, and also that, that we cannot we cannot live on our excuses you know, I'm I'm like this because. Um, the response to that has always been this week, actually. Okay, you, you're like that because. Uh, let's pray about the because. Let's pray into the because, then, if that's why you are responding like you are, and I think that's been that's been great. So sometimes we judge others because we deflect attention away from ourselves, and maybe we use excuses. Or even if you 're anything like me, you know i 'm quite good at relabeling sin uh, in particular ways. you know it 's not gossip, it 's just sharing. Uh, i 'm not lazy, i 'm just relaxed. i 'm um, not negative i 'm simply realistic. Uh, we use different terminology sometimes, and we, and we do that to relabel what is in effect sin by a different name. So we sometimes judge others because it deflects attention away from ourselves. Also, there is a sense of, uh, uh, of why we judge others. There are, we do defame others. There's that sense of defamation. Proverbs 26, the message version says, gossip is so tasty, how we love to swallow it. It's like we eat gossip with great Relish When somebody is having a good old gossip, it's hard not to join in, isn't it? As you're walking down the church tonight, as you leave, you hear somebody saying, let me tell you what side this week I defy anybody to not think to themselves, ooh, I'd like to know that, um, just for prayer, of course, in this week up ahead. We can defame other people, we get drawn in to gossip There seems to be a natural, innate ability uh, of gossip, um, and it captures our curiosity. So we're kind of in the same boat here with this whole way of speaking about others. Uh, Here's some thoughts about why it might be a bad idea. Firstly... As we judge at the people in the way that we speak, it's profoundly unchristian. Notice here, when James was writing to these bunch of Christians, he said, Brothers and sisters, so using the Greek word Adelphoi, which just means, you know, we're in it together, brothers and sisters. Um, when we see another Christian stumble or fall or having a difficult time, uh, we shouldn't rejoice in that. We should pray and support because actually they're. Brothers and sisters. Somebody rather wisely said to me once that as a church leader, if you spend your life popping at other churches, you know, they don't do it like we do it, or, you know, they're not quite as this or not quite as that. It's a bit like standing on a lifeboat with a shotgun and shooting a hole in the floor um, because we're the church and God loves the church and so when we start to speak ill of other churches or other Christians then we start to shoot holes in the lifeboat and of course what happens when you do that? Um, it is the lifeboat sinks a little bit or in fact entirely. So we've got to be careful about the way that we speak uh, and it, it's interesting isn't it that the the Bible, when it describes Satan, it calls him the accuser of Christians, the slanderer of Christians. So we've got to be very careful, I think, in the way that we speak about other people, that we don't get pulled into the enemy's agenda in the way that we speak about the devil's number one activity, I think, is going around and putting people down. And we've got to be careful that we don't join in with that. So, brothers and sisters, it's uh, profoundly unchristian when we speak judgmentally uh, over somebody else. It's also unloving. Here's this little bit from the the middle section of verse 11. just says, when anyone who speaks against a brother or sister speaks against the law and judges it. Uh, So we shouldn't judge others because it's it's unloving. Is it illegal to speak against somebody else? Of course, you know, you're probably unlikely to be dragged into court unless somebody, of course, um, thinks that you are defaming their character, in which case you may be. But we have to be careful about the way that we speak because it is unloving. We have to remind ourselves of the law that James is speaking about. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this If you keep the royal law found in Scripture, which is love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. So this is what he's talking about. When you speak uh, judgmentally into or over somebody's life, you are uh, contradicting the law that says love your neighbor as you love yourself. I don't know whether you ever wondered why James is such a practical book, that he gets into the absolute uh, focus of living as a Christian and says here it is pure and simple you know don't gossip be careful the way that you speak about people look out for the orphans and the widows pray for the sick you know he gets stuck into some really practical things I have a sneaking suspicion that when you look at Acts chapter 21 and you realize that James was a leader in Jerusalem when Paul and the others arrived in Jerusalem to a big debate about the law about Christians not keeping the law, the Jewish law. They had a, a massive debate about it and a hoo-ha and argument and you know about oh, should we keep the law, should we not, should we have circumcision? Should we and Paul ends up having to go off with a bunch of people who are getting their heads shaved as a purification right and he has to pay their expenses and he has to you know and Paul gets dragged into all that stuff. I wonder whether James, at the end of all of that, thought to himself, well, forget that for a game of soldiers. The Christian life is about this. It's not about just keeping the law. It's about a relationship with Jesus that impacts in life in these ways. So it's unloving when we speak over people, sometimes judgmentally. When I judge you, I'm breaking the law. And then thirdly, it's also unjustified. Verse 12 has this little phrase, there is one lawgiver and one judge. The word lawgiver, it's used six times in the Old Testament. It's used once in the New Testament. And every time in the Old Testament, it refers to God as the lawgiver and the judge. And so it's not our job description to judge people, ultimately. He's not commissioned us to do that. And so we need to be those that recognize our place before God when we uh, find ourselves stepping into his role as lawgiver and judge so how do we break this habit we need to first of all remember the commands matthew 7 just says do not judge now i need to put that into some context because if you're if we're thinking logically about this um, when God speaks to us about judgment obviously there is an element in which judgment is good and appropriate none of us would possibly comment on the death of Lee Rigby over the last week or so and say judgment is a bad thing we would say the people that did what they did in murdering him in the streets of Woolwich it was wrong they should be arrested tried convicted and they should be Uh, dealt with uh, according to the law we'd all be saying that wouldn't we it would be foolish to say otherwise so James isn't writing about that and Jesus also is not writing primarily about the legalities of the judging system that we we would have in this country that we live by but it is talking about a judgmental attitude we are called to make judgments in some cases We are called to be people who are, I mean, if you think about 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about discerning between spirits. In a sense, there's an element of judgment within that, isn't there? What's going on in this situation? Holy Spirit, evil spirit, a person's spirit. We're called to be wise as we live our lives. Timothy was encouraged by Paul to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So there's an element of rebuke that's important. You know, don't live your life like this, live it like that. When you read into 1 Corinthians 5, it's quite a a tricky passage because it talks about expelling the immoral brother. Somebody who's made a mistake in their life and actually made a decision to live contrary to the gospel. And here's a church being told, actually, you need to deal with that uh, carefully and appropriately. And then a bit later on, it talks about how you would encourage that person back in. So there is a process of of wise discernment in church and in life. And we've got to be uh, finding that balance between fairness and rightness and discernment and being those that would be judgmental over people's life. And particularly not to judge those who are not yet Christians. It's an obvious thing, and I, I think we're reasonably good at this i think as a church you know look at people as they come to church and say oh man you need to get yourself sorted before you come to church because um if we had took the attitude nobody'd ever come would they uh, none of us would have made it in the first place if that had been the message that was given by a church get yourself sorted and then when you're sorted come to church and we'll welcome you in now we welcome in people um wherever they're from whatever their background whatever's going on in their life we're called to be those that make wise judgments And we've got to beware of judgmental attitudes in the way that we speak. So remember the command is how you could break the habit. Secondly, remember accountability. And I I think in that we're accountable to the Lord in the way that we live our lives and need to listen to him in the way that we live our lives. We've got to remember that as we point the finger at somebody else, at least three more fingers point back at us. And therefore we live our lives. Lord, how am I doing in this? not how are they doing. How, how am I doing, Lord, with this? There's a sense of accountability before God. There's also a sense of accountability before one another, actually. You know, where we are called to help one another live Jesus' lifestyles, to live for him. In life groups, you know, we would obviously want to challenge one another occasionally. Um, in the triplets, in the tie groups, a great place for accountability just to say how am I keep, you know, keep me accountable in this area of my life um, and I do that with a, a, a few guys that I go meet with within Bristol that keep me accountable in several areas of my life how are you doing with this area Sai and um, they encourage pray and occasionally um, rebuke um, stop being so stupid Sai and think differently about that you know and obviously slightly more prayerful things as well. So accountability is, is really important. And then the third thing is, and this is absolutely key, remember mercy. I love that bit in James 2, verse 18, uh, where it says um, that mercy, uh, James two thirteen 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. And that seems to me God's heart, actually, that mercy triumphs over judgment. When people are feeling judged or living their life under condemnation, mercy triumphs over judgment. When we ourselves are living our lives feeling condemned, even as Christians, it's remembering that mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, there is now, Paul wrote, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think much of this last week, what I've observed you know, for myself and, and others, is that sense of living life outside of condemnation. The condemnation of others, the condemnation that we inflict upon ourselves, maybe even the accuser's voice, the enemy who condemns from the outside and accuses us. You know, being in a place where we have that turned around and mercy and grace are poured in instead. So we're going to um, pray into some of that stuff in the next few minutes. So why don't we stand?